Our 809 Restaurant and Lounge in Inwood, NYC. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, improvisers, and artists of all stripes that make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and today the artist spotlight is on improv artist and teacher Kevin Scott. Kevin has founded three improv ensembles in the United States, and he's taught and directed improv and sketch comedy at the Second City Training Center and the People's Improv Theater, also known affectionately as The Pit. You've seen his students on Saturday Night Live, The Office, Bridesmaids, The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, Late Night with Seth Meyers, 30 Rock, and many more. We'll talk to him about all of that, his career, and much more. But first, let me welcome you, Kevin, to Inwood Artworks On Air. Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's great to be out of the house. It's a special occasion for sure for you. Yeah, <laughs> it is. New York is slowly reopening. We're about to enter phase four, but life is far from normal here and um, won't be for some time. So, Kevin, how are you doing? How are you keeping things normal? And how's your family? Family's good, surprisingly. I have an 11-year-old daughter, and she loves being alone with a book. So it's perfect. My wife is a school teacher, so she's on vacation right now. You know, between spring semester and fall semester, she's got time, which is great. And, and she was very good at the online teaching. So, you know, relatively speaking, we've, we've got it easy. You know, and none of us have been sick, thank our lucky stars. Mentally, in the beginning, it was three not good days, one good day. And then it sort of switched and it was like three good days. So it's, you know, I'll have a down day or two down days and then a couple of good days. And I can't figure out what it is. Too much news. And that feeling we all have that no one's driving the train. It is disconcerting to say it nicely. But it sort of reveals the fact that no one was ever driving the train. And we just all had faith that someone was. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep too soon. If I start crying, you know you've hit your limit. It's what I've been thinking about a lot is, you know, the times we're in, as we're all thinking about it. I'm just trying to stay connected to be here now, you know. I've been thinking a lot about going back to the 2000 election, how it was sort of like democracy was taken away from us. And I'm not going to blame Sandra Day O'Connor personally, but we know who's responsible for deciding who was president at that time. And then 9-11 happens and the irresponsible response to that is this what you wanted on your Uptown I was, I, podcast? I, everyone didn't know this was a very political podcast. It's very, I like to think I'm a politically-minded person. I don't get involved in politics on social media because that's poison. So now poison. is your chance. This is my only opportunity. I, I'm gonna, we're gonna actually going to give you the mic. I'm going to throw away the script. And welcome you ask the question. to Kevin Scott. <laughs> Kevin's Soapbox. Is your life. It's a podcast within a podcast. This is Kevin's Soapbox. Listeners, he hasn't been out of the house in four months. Give I haven't been some, out of the house, space. please. It's like we're all in waiting for Godot. It was the Beckett play, right? Yeah, the Beckett play where it's like, when is, or Godot, I don't know how it's pronounced. We're waiting for Godot to show up, but there is no Godot. That's sort of how I'm feeling. I know that's not the case, and I know in a few months it'll be like, why did I have that feeling? Because everything's okay-ish, but that's my state of mind. Well, just so you know, the proper pronunciation is Gado. Gado. So it, it sounds like God. There was like a whole big dealy about this maybe a few years ago in the paper. There's probably a six episode podcast on the pronunciation. <laughs> so let's talk comedy since we've already talked about tragedy. Improv, sketch comedy, stand up comedy. What's the difference? Oh boy. I didn't know there was going to be math. There's different styles of all of those things, but stand up comedy is telling pre written jokes for the most part, although there's plenty of stand ups that improvise in their stand-up. Stand-up is most often a solo person, but there's plenty of duos. 
and sometimes more rarely you'll get more than two. Sketch comedy are little scenes that are pre-written, although there's a definite relationship between sketch and improv. The Second City, where I trained and taught for for a number of years, we use improvisation as a tool to create sketches. So there's this sort of middle ground where you have some ideas of who's in the scene, where the scene takes place, what it's about, your point of view or where the joke is coming from, and you're sort of improvising a sketch. And then, you know, improvisation in the purest sense is actors performing a scene, whether it has a constraint of what we would call a game or some sort of device that the audience is aware of. Like you can only say words that begin with the letter B or some sort of contrived element, or it's just pure, you're just going to go. In Chicago, we did what were called spot scenes. That was the most common form of improv where you'd be given some sort of suggestion and you do a scene, Aristotelian in, in its unity of time and space. You know, it takes place in this place during this time right now with, with just these people. But the contemporary improv you see a lot of is what's called long-form improvisation, which is a series of scenes. I'm using air quotes for those of you listening because a scene can be defined in a thousand different ways, but the actors just sort of go and they can jump time and jump space and change characters and things like that. And the only sort of caveat is it has to be made up right now, as much as that can be made up. You know what I mean? Because you're always sort of going to play a version of yourself. Does that define the difference? Stand-up comedy takes place in stand-up clubs. Those I've improvised in stand-up clubs. Oh, now you're just ruining everything. I'm ruining everything. Sketch <laughs> usually takes place in a theatrical setting or a cabaret setting. And improv can take place anywhere, but there's plenty of improv theaters. And it mixes. It all mixes together. What do you say to those people? I'm sure you get it because I get it. Hey, uh, I like to try improv or, or sketch comedy. Stand-up maybe, but my mom says I'm funny. And my sister says I'm funny. What should I do? And I think everybody's funny, myself. I think everyone can be funny, right, given the constraints. And the improvisation that I teach is really centered on acting, behaving, and, and responding in the moment. And that's not about being funny. That's just about being honest. And there's a rule we go by that you never know what's funny, but you always know what's true. So play the truth. And if you happen to do something that elicits laughter because it's spontaneous or it has a hilarious point of view, that goes in the win column. But you don't necessarily focus on how to be funny. That said, I teach like how to be funny all over the world. But the roots are in acting and behaving. And then once you get that down, then you can say, okay, now how do I exploit the comedy that's present in a scene? Improv is most often funny because it's spontaneous, if that makes sense. There's definite relationship between this, the surprise of a spontaneous event and laughter. So how did you find your truth in comedy? Where do you find the truth when you're listening on stage? That's tricky. Not to say I'm a unicorn or unique, but I've been doing it long enough that I give myself permission to sort of bend the rules. My ultimate truth is I like being funny and I like entertaining an audience. And so if I'm really being myself, I'm an entertainer as much as I am an actor and an artist. And I think those things go hand in hand and each serves the other. So it's just sort of letting myself be aware of the fact that I want to be funny and I don't want to push that down in order to find a deeper truth because funny is also true. At the end of the day, we're all bowing homage to the fun God. Yeah, I hope so. Words of funny. Right? I hope so. You know, in the beginning, I was going off on... I am a politically minded person. I don't know if I'm certainly not as active politically. Maybe when I was younger and I didn't have a kid could go to a protest or whatever. I don't do it so much anymore, except in the work, if that makes sense. No, you know, that, that's the venue where sort of everything goes. 
many people have said this. I think Tony Kushner said it recently as well. All art is political, whether it's true or not. Um, yeah, there's no. an opinion being expressed. And if you haven't offended someone, you're doing it wrong. Yes, I've heard that quote too. I, I heard it from Quentin Tarantino, not personally, but like in an interview. And so I, I thought he said it, but he may have been quoting someone else. I believe that, but I don't always live by that rule, which is tricky because there's part of my truth I suppress, not all the time, but sometimes, especially in these, you know, the current zeitgeist of let's all be on the, the right side of history, that there's a lot of judgment, self-judgment sure. and judgments from the outside, or just fear of being judged. A lot of that gets pushed down. And I, I feel like I'm coming to a point now, partially because of Corona and partially because of feeling like no one's driving the train. That Like, I want to say, F it. Just, I'm going to say what I want to say and consequences be damned. Because you have to make someone upset if you're going to tell the truth. Like, you don't set out saying, well, you know what, everything has to offend someone. You're just kind of saying... I'd rather go for the funny, and you know what? I'm well aware that this might come off in this direction. That may be a chance I'm willing to take, or not take in that moment, depending on where you're heading with it. Yeah, yeah. With comedy, like you sort of have license to do it because people assume you're making a joke, if you're doing it right. If you're telling the audience, I don't really feel this way, I'm acting as a character, or I'm making a joke about those people who feel this way, the audience gets it. I mean, if you can indicate to them, I'm being satirical, although a lot of people don't understand satire. Improvisation, has, can, you can possibly say, has become the theme for this year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in very real sense, as many of us attempt to keep our lives just going. Like you said, three days on, one day off, and each week could be different. And sometimes, many different times during the day, you might feel differently, right? Mm -hmm. Has life in improv left you better to be able to handle these days, do you think? Yeah, and not just these days, but being an artist, it, it's a tricky proposition to have a life, especially if you, like, you want to have a spouse and a kid and a house and go on an airplane once in a while to see a place. You know, the, the financial realities make you anxious a lot. And that's a challenge. It doesn't match the challenges we're all going through today. But, but in the best times, it was a challenge. Exactly. At the best of times, it, it was always tricky. And it took me a while to wake up to this, the idea that you can improvise your life. You know, I thought there has to be a route. I was always looking for the HR department of the entertainment industry. I'm like, where is it? Somebody has to know where it is. How do I apply? So they can show me how to live my life doing what I do. Exactly. Exactly. It was actually a student of mine, an older student who was like a professor of biology at NYU. And he just sort of said to me, he was like, I love improv. And I'm so glad for all the things you've taught me because I just say yes to everything. My wife and I, we just pick a place and we just say yes and we go to it. And I was like, that's not what I was teaching you. I was teaching you how to pretend you're a barber in a laundromat. And I was like, oh, that's what improv is. It's learning how to, to say yes to things, to be malleable in the moment and just sort of go with it, you know? I do some surfing, not that I'm an expert, but the metaphor that comes to mind is you don't tell the wave where to go. You just get on the wave and you go with it. And that's, that's life, and especially now, right? We're all in this thing, you just go with it. All right, we're all going to wear masks. Yes, let's all wear masks. This will be let's fun. Let's do it. Right? We can all pretend we're bandits robbing a bank. Or whatever we're going to do. You know, let's just do it. Let's just see how this goes. Let's all stay inside and not go out and watch too much Netflix and read too much about Sandra Day O'Connor in the 2000 election. Which I believe is in your book bag right now, as I see it. Yes. <laughs> Going with the flow and things, there's a whole new 
second wave of civil rights happening right mm-hmm. now. Comedians, improvers, we'll say anybody who's in the performing arts in general, I'll say, is subject. Unfortunately, when you're improvising and when you're a stand-up comic, you're subject to being the ownership of said comments. Mm-hmm. How do you see improv and stand-up comedy dealing with this new reemergence of civil rights with the BIPOC culture now to give people equal opportunity, give people more kindness? I'm used to the Washington Redskins have changing their name. Mm-hmm. It was a grand movement. It's a sensitive time, and also it's a very tense time for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So performing moving forward with that in mind, does that affect the things that could be possibly offensive? Oh, yeah, yeah. We've been dealing with it for actually a while, just trying to represent, you know, some of my comedy heroes growing up were not white people. And I've always sort of saw, you know, Eddie Murphy was the funniest guy in the world, Richard Pryor. And I had a mom's Mabley record when I was younger. And so personally, but also amongst my friends, we always sort of felt like, let's get the funniest people in the room to work with, you know, regardless of race, gender, all that stuff. It's just very tricky for a very long time. Improv and sketch specifically was dominated by white males. I'm almost embarrassed to say, but not really. But the group I've been with for 20 years, were all white males. And it's not necessarily by choice, you know. And in fact, when we have guests, most often they are people of color. We try to have women as much as possible. And it's not like we're seeking them out. You know, we're not trying to be uh, tokenistic and be like, please, you got to help us look woke. It's just more of like, we already have four of us. What, who's going to say something that we're not already saying? The bonuses, uh, they're funny. Actually, they're funny first. And then the bonuses, they help open up other things we can talk about and give us permission to talk about other things. It's a really tricky thing. And I don't know how it's all going to play out. I will say this. It's an incredibly exciting and energizing time to sort of see like, not that it's utopian, but like, People have been talking about a better future for a very long time. Same thing happened with marriage equality. Suddenly it's like, wait a minute, we can just do this? We can just make a world that we want? Comedians and sketch people, not all of them, but a lot of them, they're artists too, you know, as as well as performers and artists. Sensitive people, they want a better world. And and a lot of us try to use our art to express how we want the world to be. And to actually see it actually happen in the real world and not just in our sketches and improvisations is incredibly exciting. And hopefully... You know, at the end of the day, it's show business, right? It's not show art. We have to make the audiences as well. Second City tried back in the day on the South Side. They had all people of color in the ensemble. And they had it on the South Side, you know, where the population was mostly people of color. And they, it, it didn't work out, you know, because there was so much work that had to be done to get the audiences there and to educate people to something that they weren't aware of that they would enjoy. This is sort of a side note. As a teacher, I noticed over time, my students becoming more and more female. It used to be two women, the rest were men. And over time, it became the opposite. It was all women and two guys. And at one point I said, hold on a second. I don't think you understand. The world has changed around me, certainly for the better. A lot less misogyny you had to deal with. A lot less, please don't touch, you know, in the bathing suit area, even if you're doing a wacky character. It's a lot less of that that had to go on, which is great. And also, for me, as someone who's seen so much of this stuff, it's nice to see stuff I haven't seen before. Different voices, different points of view. It's it's something new. But I asked them, why? I asked the students, why is it all women now? And they said, Kristen Wiig, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey. There was examples for them. They were too young to remember Elaine May, who was an inspiration for people, you know, generation. A great writer, too. One of the best. She's apparently going to direct another film at 89 years old. About time. 
That's, <laughs> that's sucker. Fine. Right? Anyway, so... Um, well, she had to play on Broadway. Um, I know. I saw yeah, it, the, uh, the Waverly Gallery. She was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Anyway, so I think part of it is, you know, we need to open up the space to get the new Tina Fey's, Amy Poehler's, and they're out there. We just have to provide space for them to get up and do the work. Then the audiences will come. So I'm going to bring this back to the political. Yes. So this is how improv can further the conversation for people of color. Oh, totally. It's a safe space because we always have the out, like, we're just kidding. But not that I'm woke, you know what I mean? But my journey to be a more open person started as a young person with Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, other plenty of comedians that would put their point of view in the work. And it opened my mind up, right, to the, the different experiences of the world. Well, whatever phase we're going to enter in that will allow us to be back together in a room, the room itself is going to be so different. Two years ago, the Me Too movement started. Theaters, um, whole theaters shut down. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, the biggest producer of film, not to mention numerous founders of theater companies and, and improv and everything else. Everyone was affected. And everyone still is being affected, actually. Public health is an issue now. Mm-hmm. And you also have Black Lives Matter, whatever context you want to put it in. So any thoughts about how improv and sketch of stand-ups can be like when we do return? Yeah. Well, it's tricky. Physically, how it's going to come back after corona is we're going to do outdoors first. They're already doing that in Europe, outdoor venues. Then, you know, making the adjustment, it'll be the same thing that happened after Me Too. The theaters consciously were saying, all right, we need to clean house. We need to get rid of the misogyny and the handsy people. And we need to empower women in actual positions of authority. And so we just need to do the same thing. You know, those people that want to do that work of color should be given the opportunity to do so. And it's really tough because show business is dog eat dog, if you will. I think it's probably more positive than that, but that's the metaphor that came to mind. It's ruthless. There's so few jobs and certain people have to be willing to say, I'm going to sit this one out, you know, or how can I support other people to have these positions? But the, the truth is the power is in the money. So we have to put our money where our mouth is. And so we have to support black artists. If that's what we really want, we have to be buying their records and going to their shows and supporting them financially so they can build their own infrastructures, right? That may sound separate but equal. That's not what I'm trying to say. But you know what I mean? Like a place that we can all share inequality, you know, like the lessons of Dr. King, right? Let's all do this together. And so in order for us all to do it together, we have to build it together, right? We have to build the space we can then play in. It takes all of us. Yeah, and it's, it's a really tricky thing. I wish I had the the crystal ball. I wish I did too. To to say, I think we're just going to do it. My group has enough of a fan base, you know, that we'll probably just perform as we are and continue, you know, as we've always done, look for opportunities to bring people in that diversify us a little bit. I don't feel like, because the thing we don't want to do is sort of a chicken little thing and say, well, then we've got to scramble. And then it's false. If we're going to be true about it, it's got to be somebody we really want to collaborate with. And then it's a win-win if it also happens to bring a different voice to the table. But there is something a lot to be said about seeing yourself on stage if you are, I mean, Eddie Murphy cites Richard Pryor as an influence because mm-hmm. he saw him. But seeing yourself on stage, be it whatever color or gender you are, however, however you self-identify, I think there is a lot to that. And I'm curious if places like The Pit and I know UCB is going through a whole different restructuring mm-hmm. are going to be mindful of trying to bring up 
the next generations of people. I know it, you're only as good as people willing to pay for your class. So, I mean, that's to be said. Yeah. So let's put that out there first. But when you have a name brand like the Pit and UCB and Second City, there's a responsibility, I think, to actually shepherd and hopefully. Yeah, yeah. And it's there was always efforts made, like diversity scholarships and things like that. And the network TV all do this too. They have their diversity fellowships and showcases, but it has to go beyond that. And a lot of it is sort of like, okay, you're in the room. Now what? You know, and, and everyone is expected to be Jackie Robinson. Everyone's expected to steal home. And that's not fair. I mean, Barack Obama had to be the greatest president in the history of America. If he was as bad as our current president, could you imagine? Could you imagine what would have happened to the country? It's not Sandra Day O'Connor's fault, but here's what I think. This is a political diatribe all of a sudden, but our current president exists for one reason, to show the world and show America that the worst white guy is as good as the best black guy. That's why he exists, to say, white privilege, look, he's the worst guy in the world and he's president. You brought your best guy, our worst guy is, is just as good. And it infuriates me to no end because of the disparity and, and the unfairness of it. We have to open up a space where people of color can be terrible and can fail and don't have to steal home, right? Where they can be bad and they can say the wrong thing and make the same mistakes I've been allowed to make my entire career, right? It's going to happen because people are now aware of this fact. Before, they thought doing the right thing was having a character like Apu on The Simpsons and say, look, one of our main characters is, is South Asian. The actor was still a white guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was, he had to work behind a deli. But now they're like, okay, that's not the end result of the progress. It was, a, it was a baby step 20, 30 years ago, whenever that show started. So I think all theaters are going to realize that. They're like, It's not just letting people in the room. It's giving them the tools they need to be as bad as our current president and not be kicked out because of it. I think that's definite steps forward, man. And by the way, are you now in the administration of the pit? Because you but should be. I should be. But listen, you can trust me because I'm a middle-aged white guy. And so I know everything about this. Oh, my God. White mansplaining. That's my new podcast. This is a podcast within a podcast within a podcast. Welcome to white mansplaining in the middle of Inwood Artworks. <laughs> well, Kevin... Given that you've had four or five months to think about all these things you just said to yes, me. Yes, this is my first opportunity to really get this stuff out. <laughs> that isn't obvious, because um, my wife and kid don't want to hear it. We won't let them listen to it. You were never here. This recording will self-destruct in, in 10 minutes. I appreciate that. So what's going to be coming up for you while you sit and stew? Are you trying to do virtual? Are you doing teaching, but are you, are you, are you guys going to try to do virtual things? We did some virtual stuff early on, and we didn't love it. And we sort of figure out ways to exploit it, but we're like, it's not really speaking to our strengths. So we're trying to figure out really what stories we want to tell first and then figure out what bottle to put all that in. We've been doing podcasting ourselves. We have an improv podcast where we talk about improv and hey, we have guests on. And that's been fun. And that's sort of really all we're, we're doing. We, we actually Zoom a lot, but with no audience, just to make each other laugh so we can stay in each other's lives. But we know it's not going to be at the level we expect ourselves to be as performers. So we're like, let's just not do it. I mean, who cares? And again, do they really need to see middle-aged white guys in their apartment trying to make each other laugh? Mm, maybe some people do. But we're like, hey, the world isn't asking for us right now. Let's just cool our jets until we have a story we really want to tell. And then figure out how to tell it. Might be a TV show. Might be a play. Might be another version of our current show. Or might just be like, 
you know, a new frame around our show. We always try to put some style to our show. We have a lot of video, a lot of sound that we create. Sometimes we change our costumes. You know, we're, we're very aesthetic driven. And so we may sort of just change that. That may be the new Centralia. It's just a slight version. Or we may bring some people in. There's a woman by the name of Taylor Ortega that we've been working with the last couple of years who we love. She's probably going to be on a TV show. Was about to shoot a pilot just before all this happened. But I don't know if I should say this on a podcast. She listens, but we really want her to join the group. Or like, you know, so that may be the only change is we finally get someone in the group who's just not a white middle-aged guy. It would be really great. That'd be fantastic. And then we'll grow, you know, we'll continue to grow from there. But we don't, we honestly don't know. We have a few ideas for some plays or like theatrical events that we're sort of cooking up. It's just really hard to do it over Zoom. You know, we're, we're very much. Let's get in the space. Let's touch each other. Let's roll around on the floor. And we can't do any of that right now. And it's, it's really frustrating. It's like pilots who can't fly. It's like, I just want to be in the sky. Right. Well, there's nothing bad about waiting until the time is right. Exactly. You know, whatever. I've wasted the previous 30 years. I can waste 30 months if I have to. You look great for 30, by the way. I didn't start till I was 20, so. Oh, okay. Let's do the math. Oh. I should have told you there was You didn't have to involved. say that. You didn't have to say that. Okay. Talk about the truth well out here, folks. You're getting it first. All sorts of surprises here yeah. on the podcast today. Yeah. All sorts of trivia for a later. A lot of trivia. A lot of trivia. <laughs> well, Kevin, there's quite a bit about you and your work that we can just talk about. So where can listeners go to follow you and find out more about what you're up to? I'll just tell you my address. Just hang out outside. <laughs> just <laughs> if you live across the street, get some binoculars. Well, that's a good question because we have a Centralia Improv on Instagram and Facebook. Whenever we post our podcast, which is called the Centralia Improvisational Podcast, we usually let people know there. And that's on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It's on all the podcasts, the Centralia Improvisational Podcast. And it's more, just more of this. Just more of me ragging on Sandra Day O'Connor. Well, thank you, Kevin, for all your soapboxes and other boxes you brought here today with us. I really thought uh, this was just going to be light. I was just going to talk about comedy. <laughs> you did. How to be funny. And you were. But it's true. It's, it's, I'm just trying to be honest. The truth will out. You're staying true to your, your whole modus operandi, my friend. And we really do appreciate your point of view. And we appreciate you coming on today and sharing time with us. Thank you, Kevin, so much for joining me here on this Artist Spotlight edition of Inwood Artworks On Air, where we do meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, improvisers, comedians, artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment, please show some love for us right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. And I want to express deep thanks to 809 Restaurant and Lounge here in Inwood for hosting us and to Heightsites.com for local uptown promotional support. Be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up art galleries, live performances, and so much more. And you can support On Air and all our programming by making a tax-free donation at inwoodartworks.nyc slash donate. Inwood Artworks On Air is made possible with funding from NYC and Company Foundation with the support from Manhattan Borough President Gail A. Brewer and the NISCA Electronic Media and Film Grant Program in partnership with Wave Farm Media Arts Assistance Fund and the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature. Thank you again for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air. Mm-hmm.